I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And this is Sisters Take a Side, all about Gabby Petito. Hello. Like those, you don't like the sound of those ice cubes? Clink well, around in your drink? So, if you can hear that, I made an iced coffee prior to this recording, but mm-hmm. it's in a glass jar with a glass straw. So, oh, all okay. I do is sound clinkety like clink, clink, clink. So, you're yeah. the reason we have that one four star review. Props. Props. Okay, great. Um, well, hi. Welcome. Hi. I missed you. I'm sorry that we could not record when we originally wanted to um, because I ate two donuts and felt so sick to my stomach. I had to take my anti, my prescription anti-nausea medicine that was prescribed to me during pregnancy. Hi. That is just, that's a lot to unpack. Is is this just is life in your- Is that the true th- crime of this? Is it, well, is that just life in your 30s? Like this is it, just- I, Yeah. I hate to- How I'm going to exist yeah. now? It is. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Well- Okay, but Sarah, what if someone wanted to write in and tell us about how they also ate two donuts and felt sick? How would they do that? <laughs> great, great question. And listener, we would love to get those um, types of messages. Please but, email um, us. <laughs> yeah, so you can reach us uh, by email at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com. Or you can slide into our DMs on Instagram at sisters take us side underscore podcast why do i get that wrong every i don't know i was just about to be like oh my god you did it you did the email address you're doing so good we have been doing this podcast for almost a year now which is crazy to think about but like can you get it together please i know i'm really sorry um yes it's sisters take a side underscore podcast on instagram correct she says confidently she says with the confidence of a mediocre white man Oh, wow, Em. Speaking of mediocre white men. Speaking of, I was going to say, what a great (laughs) intro to this week's episode. Um, Actually, this dingbat is not even mediocre. This guy sucks. (laughs) He's a catastrophe at best. Um, So what do you know, Em, about Gabby Petito? Oh, man. Well, I think kind of like everyone, I became aware of the case when it – made like a lot of news and social media. I have seen the body cam footage from the police, like that really infamous body cam footage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there was some news recently about his mom potentially. So like, I am aware of the case and I do want to say, and you probably have this disclaimer somewhere else. I do want to say right up front, we recognize that this case got so much media attention Partly because Gabby Petito is a beautiful white woman where there are lots and lots and lots of missing and murdered women who are not beautiful white women who do not get the same media attention. So mm-hmm. we are going into this story with the recognition that um, that is part of what made her case so sensational is um, the color of her skin, which sucks. Yes. And I am going to have a little call to action later on Good. as we go get into it. So, okay. I kind of love our little calls to action. Like you guys might remember in the Lorena Bobbitt episode, we actually, um, we made a little donation to yeah. Lorena's foundation kind of in honor of our listeners and of the show. So I am kind of loving these little calls to action. Oh my God, Sarah, I'm just like scrolling through your notes. You have a hundred pages of notes. <laughs> 
I, close. I have six, but that's very close. I might have to take a pee break in the middle of this. Okay. Okay. Well, well listen. Listen, let's get into it. Tom might have to make me a sandwich. I'm going to text him. You go ahead and get started. Okay. So let's get into it. So, um, well, wait. Oh, sorry. Okay. Trigger warning. Um, probably. Um, yeah. What do you mean? Um, yes. What? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, what? I <laughs> yes. Um, Guys, yes, trigger so, warning for domestic violence, intermittent intimate yes. partner violence, and murder. Okay, what are we doing? Murder, suicide. Yeah, okay. Oh, God. Yes, so yeah, suicide. Okay. Yes. Okay. What happened? What's happening to you? I don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm so focused on like these excellent okay, notes I took. <laughs> Guys, these notes are so good. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So in August 2021, PS feels like yesterday. 22-year-old Gabby Petito was killed by her fiancé and high school sweetheart, Brian Laundrie, while they were traveling together on a van life journey across the United States. This case actually sparked more public interest in news coverage, especially social media coverage, than other missing persons and murder cases, which, as Emily pointed out, sparked the debate of missing white woman syndrome. And we will come Mm -hmm. back to this in a little bit. We always talk about you know, cases in the media and like, oh, this was the start of the 24-hour news cycle, right? You, okay. Right? Like, I mean, we've said yeah. that a couple times. Well, this Every case, case kind of, claims to be the start of the 24-hour news cycle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So Peterson, Nancy, and Tanya, right. like, right. Right. every case claims to be that, right? Well, this case, what I found and, like, what I know of the case, it was – it's kind of like – true crime in like the digital age. Like this was, I mean, you couldn't get on TikTok without seeing, this case was solved in part by TikTok. (laughs) Like, I mean, you, you can't, like you couldn't get on social media for a while there without hearing about Gabby Petito and like this whole Instagram versus reality kind of lifestyle thing. I mean, it's so prevalent in this case. So I just wanted to kind of call that out a little bit. Um, Another big reason this case gained so much attention was due to the couple's documenting of their travels on social media. Um, Leaked police body cam footage, like Emily mentioned, 911 emergency dispatch call recordings, eyewitness accounts, and the very shady actions of Brian's parents. So lots to unpack. Let's get into it. So Gabby Petito was born and raised in Blue Point, New York. Gabby was described by friends and family as just this kind of like wonderful, adventurous, creative Mm. young woman, right? What room did she not light up, okay? (laughs) She attended and graduated from Bayport Blue Point High School, where she met fellow student Brian Laundrie. Gabby and Brian started dating in March of 2019 they moved in with his parents and so his parents moved from New York to Northport, Florida. Okay. Gabby ends up moving down to Northport, Florida. Um, she and Brian lived with his parents at the time. They both worked at a local Publix. She worked in the pharmacy. He worked in like the grocery part. Um, but they both quit at the onset of the COVID nineteen pandemic. So again, we have so these are. High- yeah, right. Jeez. So wait, they're in high school. Wait, how? I didn't realize they were that young. So these are like, they're like 18, 19? They just graduated from high school when she moved. So they, by okay. the time they go on this trip, they're in their early 20s. Okay. Got it. 
I think Brian might have been like a year older than her. Um, <clears throat> so before their van life trip, so before the, the the trip we're going to focus the most on. Gabby and Brian actually went on a cross-country trip from New York to California in late 2019 and early 2020. Oh, Jesus. Okay. By July of 2020, the couple were engaged exactly one year to the date before they started their trip. The engagement kind of met mixed feelings from friends and family of Gabby. Um, One friend just described Gabby and Brian's relationship as toxic, stating that Brian seemed to have like severe jealousy issues mm. and he was, quote, overprotective of Gabby, unquote. I do not like this description. There is Why? a difference between being a partner in a relationship and being overprotective. Like, I don't, I, I don't like that overprotective, like being described as overprotective to me signals like red flag instead of like oh but he was just very protective of her oh like, so you're saying you don't like when people use that as like a positive like oh gosh correct he's just overprotective yeah no i agree he's I, just yeah. overprotective like no no right. like that should be a red flag in my opinion right anyway so gabby and brian decided that their next cross-country trip would be done van lifestyle So in December of 2020, Gabby purchased a 2012 Ford Transit Connect van and worked to convert it into a camper. When I say this thing was a work of art, um, pull up your your Google. Okay. I want you to see if you can find a picture of it. Google her van. Yeah. And actually, so her Instagram is still up. Like you can still see um, her family decided to keep it up. They turned off comment, like they disabled comments Mm. and stuff, but. You can still... Oh my gosh, look how nice. This thing looks better than my house. Right? And yeah, she did all that work. I mean, like, it. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, but I have to say, I don't want to be stuck in this van with anyone. I don't want to be in this van by myself. Like, this... Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is a small little space. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just saying, like, I could see where tensions would really start to boil over. And not that, I mean, guys, I'm not blaming the van. But, like, I could see where living in this kind of small space with someone could lead to some really, like, toxic shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, look at you. You're so, like, look at you. You're like, they're going to come for us in the well, comments. Just, I like that you said this now. Let's see how you feel at the end of this. So to save money for their trip, Gabby started working 50-hour weeks um, at Taco Bell and as a nutritionist, which – What? The irony. <laughs> what? She was a nutritionist at Taco Bell? Or? No, no. Oh. So she worked at Taco Bell and she was a nutritionist. So she had uh, two jobs, 50-hour okay. weeks. Yes, I laughed at the irony as well. Don't get me wrong. Give me a Mexican pizza any day of the week. Well, I mean, I, I just know. don't know how those two fit, but that's okay. Gabby, you do have a fondness thing, for, the, for the Taco Bell. I do. Um, Brian decided to take a job at an organic juice bar because he's absolutely insufferable. Like we mentioned earlier, Gabby documented everything on social media, specifically mm-hmm. Instagram. So like I said, her Instagram is still up. You can go and check it out. You can't leave any comments, but... That feels like, morbid to me. I don't know. I don't like Yeah, that. I mean, like, but you can see, I mean, like, everything is, like, it, it's very curated, right? There mm-hmm. was a very specific image that was being portrayed about the van and the van life and Gabby and Brian on this adventure and all of that. So, 
From December 2020 to July 2021, Gabby worked, saved money, and converted her her van. Brian presumably just, I don't know, maybe he helped her. I, spoiler alert, I don't really like this guy, so I don't know. This guy around sucks his hard. Organic juice job, like who knows. <laughs> um, so on July 2nd, 2021, Gabby and Brian departed from New York for their planned out four-month cross-country trip. Okay. So the couple was engaged and had originally planned on getting married that summer, but they decided to put off their wedding plans due to the pandemic and decided to go on this trip instead. Wait, so again, um, I like, were, cannot emphasize this enough. These are like 19-year-olds. What are, don't get married at 19, guys. Well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just... I, <laughs> what was that knowing look for, my friend? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Did someone, houses, you guys. Did, did someone you know get married at 23? <laughs> People in glass houses, you know? <laughs> um, so they were in Blue Point, New York for Gabby's younger brother's high school graduation. So... I don't know. Like, as I was researching this, I was like, like, if there's any small sliver, like sliver of a silver lining in this story, it's that Gabby's parents got to see, see her off. Yeah. Um, so here's a breakdown of the pair's journey in the insane part to me. Again, I keep coming back to this, but we have this information based off Gabby's again, very curated Instagram timeline. So this is what we, what we know based on Instagram. So July 4th, they were in Monument Rock, Kansas. July 8th, Colorado Springs, Colorado. July 10th, Great Sand Dunes National Park and Reserve. July 16th, Zion National Park. July 21st, Bryce Canyon National Park. 20, July 26th, Mystic Hot Springs. July 29th, Canyonlands National Park. August 12th, Arches National Park. So from July 16th to August 12th, we're, we're in Utah. We're... Mm-hmm. Going around all of these places in Utah. I mean, this trip sounds amazing. I have to say, like it this really does. Like, yeah, yeah. Like again, and like researching it, I was like, gosh, like this. Yeah. I would totally do this. I could totally see myself doing something like this. No, Maybe. you wouldn't. Yeah, what? well, it's like glamping. <laughs> yeah, if you were if you were going from Ritz Carlton to Ritz Carlton, maybe okay. Sarah's like in the do... back of this van. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Okay. So I'm going to pause here because on August 12th, there's an altercation in Moab City, Utah, that will eventually lead to a massive lawsuit against the Moab Police Department filed by Gabby's family in Mm. connection with their daughter's death. So police had an encounter with Gabby and Brian who were described as having, quote, engaged in some altercation, according to a report released by the Moab City Police Department. Officers were called to the scene due to reports of disorderly conduct and what the caller describes as a domestic disturbance incident, unquote. According to the caller, the couple were fighting in front of the Moonflower Community Cooperative. The caller said they saw a man slap a woman, after which the man and woman ran up and down the sidewalk. The man hit the woman again before they drove Mm. off together. Lots to unpack here, but I just want to say thank you and listener take note this caller knew the location, they knew the description, they knew just overall this guy is a national treasure. So thank you, caller. This guy was ready for his moment in the space. He's like, I have watched Dateline. I am ready. Age, sex, location, here I am. (laughs) Yes. 
A thousand percent. But, but like all jokes aside, like what an amazing – like a, for what a bystander is- yes. to take action. Like thank you guys. Always do this. Always – Yeah. 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 I mean, he knew, like, he could describe Brian and Gabby. He knew the, like, knew the van, mm-hmm. could describe that. He had the license plate number. Like, he was very concise to the point. I mean, like, all of the things that you want a caller in this instance to be. Yeah. So, once on scene, police encountered Gabby, Brian, and an unnamed witness. Gabby and Brian are described as having gotten into a physical fight following an argument. But, quote, both the male and female reported they are in love and engaged to be married and desperately didn't wish to see anyone charged with a crime, according to the report from the officer on scene, Eric Pratt. Police later uh, released body cam footage of officers' encounters with Gabby and Brian, during which Gabby, who is separated from Brian by this point, is emotional and crying through much of the video. Gabby can't get through a sentence without, like sobbing or like having to let i mean it was very hard to watch i know you you said you've seen it it is very very difficult to watch yeah Yeah. it's so brian claims that the couple got into a minor scuffle that began when he climbed into the van with dirty feet brian had visible scratches on his (laughs) that's what i'm saying girl i feel that brian (laughs) Please don't relate to this guy. <laughs> Brian had No, I relate to her being like, get your grimy ass out of my van. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, yes. Okay. Brian had visible scratches on his arms, face, and neck, which were photographed by police. Gabby admits that she slapped Brian when she thought he was going to leave her in Moab. And the couple also states that Brian did not hit Gabby. So both Brian and Gabby separately, you know, they're separated both mm-hmm. separately say he did not hit her. Which is, again, a direct contradiction to the eyewitness who called the two in to right. police in the first place, right? I don't know about you, but, like, this just screams, like, abuse and oh my God. trauma. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Ultimately, although Gabby was nearly arrested, Brian was presumed the victim here, police ultimately decided to separate Gabby and Brian for the evening. Gabby was to take the van and Brian was put up in a hotel by a domestic assault outreach group. What do you think about this? I have a lot of thoughts about this and like I've done some like reading on this. And so basically my understanding is that in Utah is one of these states that when police respond to a domestic violence incident, their job is to identify the quote unquote like primary aggressor. Like that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. Right. Because unfortunately, so many domestic violence situations do involve both people harming each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as easy to be like, oh, well, one person hit the other, right? They have to identify who's the primary aggressor. And one way they do that is looking for injuries. Who is more injured, right? Right. And, you know, they also take into account what what do the people say, right? So... <sighs> I watched the body cam footage of this interaction and it mm-hmm. disgusted me to be perfectly honest. Like you're looking at like petite little Gabby Petito, right? This like really small little woman and Brian who was, you know, I mean, kind of a scrawny dude, but like obviously bigger than her. And I don't, I look at that and I'm like, how do you not see him as the primary aggressor? 
right? How do you not look at him and go, all right, douche Lord. Like, you know, I, but at the same time, I also recognize that he had injuries on his body, right? Mm -hmm. And like, they have to go based on those kinds of things. Where I do take some real issue though, is that they put him up in a hotel and put her in their van, like, I'm sorry, this is a, what, 19, 20-year-old woman by herself in a city she's not familiar with, and y'all are going to be like, oh, go sleep in your van. No. Like, you couldn't have put her up in a hotel? Like, are you kidding me with that? So, I take a different side than you on this. Okay, tell me. I think she, I mean, it was her van. Number one, it's her van. It's registered right. to her. It was her van. In my head, I'm thinking this would give her an opportunity to get away. Oh, to leave. She I has see. a vehicle. Mm-hmm. She, you know, and I am not, please, I am not victim blaming. I am not. No, doing no, any no, of no. Things. Of course you're not. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, she has the wheels. She can get, get out of Dodge in a city you know or don't know. Like, you have right. the means right to to go hmm. I, yeah i don't know I, like, I, yeah you're right that if they had given him the vehicle he could have left she's her there stuck in a hotel that he yeah. easily could have gotten to right like i don't know i i i don't like the way i sound i can hear and i i can already hear what people are gonna say like <laughs> well you know you're blaming the victim like no i'm I don't not think, i don't think you're blaming the victim at all i think you're Pointing to like a logistic, like you, maybe the police officers were thinking, we don't want this guy to be able to ditch her and take her right. car and leave her. Right. I, yeah, I see that. I don't know. To me, I see the van as like a sense of protection. That's interesting. Whereas if they had, yeah. if they had put her up in a hotel, then she's effectively stranded there. Mm. Well, what do you think about the body cam footage? I'm assuming you watched like the full video, oh, right? I watched it. I don't love it. I don't – and, you know, I'm not a police officer. I, I don't – I'm not trained. I don't know. But I, I don't like the way that they are almost kind of cavalier about it. I don't like the way that they're like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't love it. I think it's very, very, very difficult to watch. I struggled watching it. Um, I think anyone looking at Gabby with – two brain cells in their head would say like this woman needs help yes um i don't even though i think giving her the van was the right call i don't think they helped her in the way that law enforcement could have helped her um i also think had had she said yes he hit me had she said yes he's gonna use it like i think those police officers would have been happy to arrest brian um i don't think they particularly cared for him um you don't, don't think they think showed they him like preferential treatment, which I agree with. No, uh, no, yeah. because I think they would have been happy to have put him like to have arrested him. Yeah, if they had been given like any inch, I think they would have taken it a mile to put him away. Personally, yeah, you know, I have to say, Sarah, like I agree, and I and I am like timid to say that too because I don't want people to think that we're not sympathizing with Gabby. Of course, we are. But I also think police officers are often like their hands are tied in situations like this. If there's not a complaint, right? If you're not saying, I, you know, he hit me, he committed a crime against me, their hands are kind of tied. But I will say 
they could have done more to support her and get her access to services because you're right. I mean, this is, to me, this is so typical, right? You respond to a domestic violence incident and though we'll say the victim, but often the woman says, Oh, he didn't No, Don't, don't take him. He didn't. It's fine. Right. Because in her head, she doesn't want him to get in trouble. She's scared Mm -hmm. of him. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you see this often enough. Can we not get some services or for some, some help for these people? Again, these women most often, like I'm fired up about that. Cause like, I get it. Like in the eyes of the law, they couldn't have arrested him. Right. Right. But human to human, person to person, you can't get this woman, this, I mean, again, like, I don't want to call her a girl because I never been like this girl. Can you can't get this girl mm-hmm. some help or to say, Hey, do you want to call your parents or can I call like, right. I don't. And again, like now I've, now I've like stepped into like mama bear mode, but like the thought of this 19 year old in a van alone, scared in the dark by herself, having just been most likely beat up by her shitbag boyfriend. I just want to like go hug her and like say like, girl, call your mom. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, it just, it breaks my heart for her. My heart is broken for her parents who I am sure think about this all the time. And I'm sure from like reports I've read, like she had a pretty good relationship with her parents. I'm sure if she Mm -hmm. had called them, they would have been like, we're coming for you. We're going to come get you. Like, I just, absolutely. it sucks. I hate it. But I, and I think <laughs> like when you look at victims in general, I think this, right? Like this is where the law, the law doesn't allow really for that human element of yes, exactly. crime. Yes. I mean, there, I, this, this body cam footage comes under a lot of scrutiny in this case. Yes. It's a big talking point in this case. I think her parents were right in filing suit against yeah. The mm-hmm. department, I, I think that makes sense. Yes, I think that they they could have probably helped her more on a human level, but we have to remember, like, we're talking about the law here, and and the the law did not account in yes. this instance for anything else to be done. I think, yes, I think the police officer separating the two. I, I agree with it. I, I think that's right. I think giving her the van personally, I think that was the right call because I think. Maybe that was them attempting to put some human into it and saying, all right, you take the van, maybe you can get away, right? Like <laughs> in yeah. the thought that maybe this will give her the opportunity she needs yeah, to go. I don't know. Well, and I, I think it's so easy. And again, like I feel, I'm not we're armchair know, detecting I'm, the crap out of it. That's right? what I was going to say. Like <laughs> I feel like I'm being like a Monday like armchair quarterback armchair quarterback yeah but but like i i see why people are upset with the officers in this situation if this was my kid i i would have sued them until they were fucking blue in the face i i get that but on the flip side i think as officers they were you know what i mean they had no way of knowing what this was escalating into and i think they responded as appropriately as they could have could Mm -hmm. i have done without some of the misogynistic shit like you know they're like oh 100 oh brian i know sometimes my wife makes me mad like shut up yeah just go away don't relate to him i know (laughs) (laughs) don't be his friend we don't like Brian. Get out of here with his dirty feet. But like, do I think that they acted within the letter of the law? Yes. And I think that that is a hard pill to swallow when we know what happened in the end. A a million trillion that could not agree with you more. 
Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, fire dodge. You, I, my Italian hand gestures were You're, really... You were, you were Italian really... very hard there. I love it. I love it Come, so much. Coming, my ancestors coming through. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> All right. So that was, that was August 12th. So here is something I didn't actually know until I started researching. Apparently, a few days later on August 17th, Brian took a flight from Salt Lake City back to Florida, leaving Gabby behind with the van. Gabby reportedly checked into the Fairfield Inn and Suites near the Salt Lake City International Airport, checking out again on August 24th. According to the laundry family attorney, Brian flew home to Tampa to, quote, obtain some items and close out the couple's storage unit to save money as they contemplated extending their trip. The attorney also Hmm. states that Brian flew back to Salt Lake City on August 23rd to rejoin Gabby. My spidey senses are up on this. I find it very strange that he'd fly home at this point. I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know what I think about it, but I think it's weird. What Do you think it's weird? have they confirmed that she was alive at this point? Like, she was, okay. So it's not that he killed her, flew home, and flew back. So she, we know for sure she's alive. Yes. Yeah, because she's seen checking out of the hotel on August 24th. And her family heard from her after this point. It could just be that, like, they're like, okay, this got heated. This got nuts. Like, we need to take a break. We need to separate for a little bit. Like, I mean, that sounds like more reasonable thinking than Brian is obviously capable of. But to me, I'm kind of like, eh. I, this, I mean, in the grand scheme of how weird this story gets, this doesn't seem that weird to me, especially okay. since it's confirmed she was alive at the time, but I don't know yeah. what you're thinking. I don't see. That's the thing. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking about it, but I think it's, <laughs> I think it's weird, especially because I mean, okay. So this guy's described as being overprotective, jealous, toxic, like to the point right. where like one of her friends told this story. i I should have included it at the beginning. One of her friends tells this story when she's interviewed after all of this happens. And she was like, yeah, like, you know, one time Gabby was over at my house. We were going to go out that night. And this must have been like right as she had turned 21 or something because they were Mm going to go out like, you know, to the bars or whatever. And Brian didn't want Gabby to go. So he took her ID out of her wallet and basically like held it hostage. And like, what's the one thing you need to get into a bar? Your ID, right? Like, so to me, so to me, it's like, okay, so this guy is like, so you're just going to leave her like in a hotel. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I think about that's a, it. That's an interesting point. Well, so what do you think he was doing then? I don't, that's the thing. I don't know. You're right. Like, it is. So he leaves her for a week almost. Pretty. Yeah. I mean, the 17th yeah. or 24th. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's weird. I don't know why it's I think weird. it's weird, but now I have to project the weirdness onto you because I don't know. Okay. I mean, this guy's just a shitbag and he sucks. So a, a thousand percent. Um. So to your to your question earlier. So on August 25th, Gabby's mom actually states that this is the last time she actually spoke to Gabby on the phone. Okay. And at this time, Gabby tells her mom that everything was great. The couple was traveling from Utah to Grand Teton National park and yellowstone national parks 
So okay. on the on the same day, the final post was made on Gabby's Instagram account, which consisted of photos of herself in front of a butterfly mural outside of a restaurant in Ogden, Utah. Okay. This is this is where the timeline kind of starts to get fuzzy. So bear with me on this. We're gonna go through a lot of dates. I'm gonna walk you through some eyewitness accounts of the couple after the 25th. Which okay. is the documented last time anyone actually spoke to Gabby. Can I just say, like, I'm so sad. Like, she told I know. my mom everything is fine. I'm just like. I know. <sighs> and it gets worse. And I'm so sorry. No, but it, great. it only gets worse. I'm sorry. So on August 27th, Gabby and Brian are reported to be seen at the Mary Piglet's Tex-Mex restaurant in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Stop it. I love this so much. Are you kidding me right now? The witness, a woman later identified as Nina Angelo, states that Brian was aggressive and got into an explosive argument, apparently regarding money, with the manager, waitress, and hostess at the Mary Piglets. Gabby, in tears, was apologizing for Brian's behavior. This is the last known sighting of the two together. Oh, God. The Mary Piglets. Like, I cannot... do you love it so much? I love it so much. I need everyone to saddle up because we are going there immediately. The Mary Piglets? It's too cute. It's a Tex-Mex it's, restaurant. It's... That screams me. Okay. This is not about me. I don't know. I, <laughs> but the Mary Piglets, you guys, you have to laugh. Laugh now because you won't be laughing here soon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, on August 26th, 27th, or possibly the 28th. So again, we're, we're getting a little fuzzy here, but just hang in there with me. A witness contacted the FBI to report the activities and coordinates of a slow-moving white van and a generic young white man, acting weird, near the Spread Creek dispersed camping area. Later, it will be, just a little spoiler, This it will be revealed that this witness's account is actually what tipped the FBI off to the correct location of Gabby's remains. Yeah. Here's my question for criminal justice, Emily. Was yes. this called into the FBI because national parks are considered federal property like why not call it hmm. into the national police or to the local police um why the fbi po- possibly yes po- well i guess they don't know it's a mi- i was gonna say like fbi usually handles missing persons cases but i guess i don't know it's a missing person that is inter- i don't it will in my okay i guess i'm dumb <laughs> but like this person just called the fbi can you just call the fbi can you just i get i mean i guess and i guess that? the report <laughs> Is like suspicious activity, or are you sure it was the FBI and not like park yeah. service, park authority? Uh, the, the reason the park I found authority the FBI, called the FBI, I don't know. Maybe. Okay, well, but I like it, it, I didn't pay would enough it go attention to the FBI in that class. because it's okay. Well, well someone right <laughs> listener, write in because I'm curious. Like actually listened in their criminal justice. <laughs> class. Yeah, I mean, I the FBI gets involved basically whenever the fuck they want to get involved. But I, it is weird to just be like, I called the FBI. Like, I'm not sure how one goes about calling the FBI. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The only mm. reason, the only thing I could think of is that because is I'm pretty sure national parks are considered federal property. Like, if you die on a national yes. in a national yes park it automatically gets escalated to the FBI because it's federal property. A hundred percent. But why not call the park service? I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) anyway, 
So okay, August we get, so I have to okay. I have to just interject here and say we got the comment a couple weeks ago from a family member, you know who you are, <laughs> that we need to stop pretending to be dumb on this podcast. Guys, we're not pretending to be dumb. Neither one of us actually know if you're allowed to call the FBI or not. <laughs> so, but listener, if you want to do some if you want to do some live research and try it out, give let us know. You can write in. <laughs> um okay. Okay, so that's we're we're gonna say the twenty sixth to the twenty eighth is when this tip was called in. Okay, right? to the FBI. Yeah, on the 29th, a woman posted in a TikTok video released after the case became public. Again, TikTok, like keep coming back to social media here, you guys. Um, so this woman posted a, a video that she and her boyfriend gave Brian a lift from an area near Coulter Bay Village after seeing him hitchhiking alone. She reported that Brian, quote, freaked out once he learned that they were going to Jackson Hole instead of Jackson, Wyoming. He disembarked their vehicle at 6.09 p.m. near the Jackson Lake Dam, less than 30 minutes and 10 miles after being picked up. The weird part, according to this witness, is that Brian offered $200 for the ride and did not appear to be dirty despite claiming that he had been camping for several days. Another witness stated that she picked Brian up from the Jackson Lake Dam area around 6.30 on the 29th and dropped him off at the entrance to the Spread Creek Dispersed Camping Area. Brian, again, offers gas money for the 20-minute ride and was adamant that he did not want to be taken further than the entrance to the campground, which was still several miles from the couple's van. This witness stated Brian seemed to get increasingly antsy about getting out of the car as they got closer to the campsite. Now, remember, hmm. this is the same campsite where the, you know, reported generic young white man was acting weird where the, with the slow okay. moving white van. Okay. So he had like left the campsite and was hitchhiking back to the campsite, basically? That's what it sounds like. How the hell did he leave? Okay. Brian, what are you doing? What's happening? Great question. Well, and, like, my guy with his dirty feet appeared not to be dirty at all after camping for several days. Okay. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Brian, I hate you. So, August 27th to the 30th. So, this is a little unclear, but around the 27th, Gabby's mom reports getting a text from Gabby's phone that read, quote, can you help Stan? I just keep getting his voicemails and missed calls. If you're Hmm. wondering who Stan is, let me help you. According to Gabby's mom, Stan is Gabby's grandfather. I don't know about you, but I have never once referred to any of my grandfathers <laughs> by their first name. Could you imagine? You're not calling. Liz, you're I can't not- reach Charlie. <laughs> Could you even? I No, I couldn't. Can I tell you, <laughs> Tom still refers to our grandparents as Mr. and Mrs. last name. <laughs> yes. Tom, who I've been married to for seven years. <laughs> yes. I mean... Yeah. And, and like Gabby's mom is us here because she states Gabby never had and never would call him Stan. Hmm. So like this is starting to raise massive gigantic red flags for Gabby's mom Nicole. Mainly because she didn't think the text actually came from Gabby. On August 30th, Gabby's mom received another text from Gabby's phone and it simply said no service in Yosemite. Pause here. Because remember when I told you about Nicole's last call with Gabby on the 25th? So Gabby Gabby was saying they were headed to Yellowstone, not Yosemite. 
in case you're me and very unaware of where our national parks are, Yosemite is in California. Yellowstone is in Wyoming. If you are a numbers person, then you know that's about 943 miles apart. This is the last known communication from, I'm putting this in air quotes, Gabby. Interesting. Wait, mm-hmm. but Mr. Camper, hiker, whatever, really would have mixed up Yosemite and Yellowstone? Like, even I knew that those are two separate, those are two different things. That, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. That is weird because, like, I'm even, but, like, it's weird to me that, like, okay, so we're assuming that this is Brian texting from Gabby's phone. My guy Brian is mixing up these two parks. I don't, that seems, I don't know. It's weird. It's a little weird. I'm not into this. So, September 1st, Brian returns to Northport, Florida alone in the van. Let me repeat Mm. that for you. On September 1st, Brian, who by all accounts was in Yosemite, even though they were supposed to be in Yellowstone on August 30th, arrives at his Florida home that he shares with his parents alone on September 1st. For those who don't know, including myself, the drive from Yosemite National Park to Northport, Florida is a 41-hour drive or 2,798.8 miles, meaning Brian would have had to have driven 41 hours straight. No stopping. Hmm. Make that make sense. Yeah. I mean, there's no way he could have done that. Right. I mean, right. that's, that defies logic. Alone. Right. right. September Wait, so 6th. And- he just, he just shows up back home. He's like, Hey mom and dad, sup? great mm-hmm. to see you. And no one's like, Hey, Oh my God. So good to see you. Um, where's your fiance? No mm-hmm. one, no one's curious no. about this. Okay. No. I, I dare your boyfriend <laughs> to show up back in our hometown after a month long vacation with you without you. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Excuse Super me. Super hot boyfriend, listen up. Super hot boyfriend, don't you dare. <laughs> oh, you guys are the jig trip up. this weekend. Don't you dare come back from your trip this weekend <laughs> like, without my my oh, Corsair trip. bear. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know. So <laughs> September <for> you. <laughs> well, <laughs> they're so unconcerned that on September sixth and seventh, just five days from returning home. Brian and his parents go camping again at Fort DeSoto Park in Pinellas County, Florida. My guy loves to camp. My my guy loves to camp, doesn't he? It's a good camping trip, okay? Yeah. Not not for me, but love that journey for you, Brian. Yeah, exactly. So after not hearing from Gabby since August, and after several attempts to reach the laundries with no response – Gabby's family finally reports her missing on September 11th, which like you guys, like they were about to be in-laws. So you would think Um, like when Gabby's mom, Nicole is like, Hey, Mrs. Laundry, (laughs) any chance you've heard from the kids? Like, Hey, my daughter's missing and she's presumably with your son. And I haven't heard from her. Like you would, as a mother, wouldn't you automatically think, Oh my God, where's my son? I mean, I am just like, that's the thing. Like, I'm just like heartbroken for her parents. Like, how scary that must have been. Like, I mean, so September, so he gets home September 1st and they report her missing on September 11th. Can you even imagine what those 10 days were like for them? No. Like, that makes me sick to my stomach. Oh, God. And they don't know that he's back. Oh, they don't even know that. They don't know. They're in in New York. 
oh my God, it's even worse because they're probably like, oh, it's probably okay. They're together. They're fine. <gasps> so did they report her missing after they found, like they, they found out he was back in Florida and then they reported her missing or did they? Pretty, I mean, so it's kind of un- like, I-, I couldn't really like get like, okay. I don't yeah. know when they found out that he was back, but like oh my eventually, God. right? Like they're like, well, fuck. I mean, we haven't heard from her in you know, a month's time, almost half a month. I don't know if I'm just time, feeling like, like weirdly emotional because, like, I had my weekly like therapy session this morning with my <laughs> therapist. But like, I could cry right now thinking this is this is really sad. I'm for sorry. Her I'm really sorry. <sighs> like, yeah. If Henry was missing for an hour, I'd be excuse me. <laughs> excuse yeah. me someone help me. Like to just spend yeah. ten days not knowing where your kid. Like, okay, I just all right. Yeah. Can we can we wrap so, this up? I'm just I can't. <laughs> Girl, I need a sandwich. Like page four. Break. I, okay. Oh my god. So they reported her missing to the Suffolk County Police Department in New York. Yeah. When police in Florida knocked on the laundry's door that same evening, his parents basically flung them their lawyer's business card and was like, "Hey, girl, thanks. Bye." Like, oh my. God. Are you serious? The police. Oh, I can't even. The police ended up taking the van for processing, and some materials were taken from the van for further investigation. On September 15th, Brian is officially named a person of interest in Gabby's disappearance. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Northport police state that Brian had not made himself available to be interviewed by investigators and had not provided any helpful details. In short, he was basically hindering their investigation. Because, of course, let's not forget that during all of this, again, Gabby's family has begged and pleaded with Brian and the laundries to speak about Gabby's disappearance. Like, just tell us where she is. Like, just tell, give us something. Like, like imagine, and I'm sorry, but like, imagine like just being like, just something like, uh, tell me like you left her on the side of the road, but tell me something. He, he will give them nothing. See, nothing. And this is like, and, and imagine the increasing, pa- like I'm feeling panic, the increasing panic of like, okay, yes. maybe there was an accident and he, so just tell me that, or maybe she had a medical emergency and you, or right. But like the increasing panic of like, oh my God, he's not responding to us. And that like, that must mean it's worse and worse and worse and worse. Oh God, I hate this. Yeah. And again, like they're about to be in-laws. So like, it would make sense that like, you would think, right? Like we should work together to find her. Like, right. If you weren't involved in this. Right. Yeah. So needless to say, police start surveilling the laundry home. On September 13th, they observed Brian leaving his family home to return two days later. Which makes the next thing even more confusing because on September 17th, Brian's family reports him missing, claiming that they haven't seen Brian since September 13th. If you're confused, we all are. After all, police claimed that they saw him come home on the 15th. Right, right. Wrong. The person oh. they saw getting out of his car was actually his mom. Yikes on bikes. Like, I can't. Like, whoa. Like, can we all do better? <laughs> well, that's, so the police are surveilling his house and he leaves and they're just they're like. They're surveilling his house. They don't leaves. think to follow him. Like, what? I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We're all with this, like, just circus clowns. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yikes on bikes is right. Okay. Yikes well. on bikes. So, obviously, police immediately obtained search warrants for the laundry home where they removed several items to assist in the search for him, including the van and the laundry's family Ford Mustang. So, wait, no, I'm sorry. I need, you, I need you to read what you have in parentheses. 
after that. Fancy laundries? Fancy laundries. You're too funny. Okay. Okay. Uh, so if you're keeping up, and I apologize for so many dates, we now have two search parties happening. One right. in a vast Florida wildlife reserve for Derpy Derp Brian, and one in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming for Gabby. Her last known contact with her family was from that national park, and National Park Service agents and local law enforcement agencies felt that this was kind of a good place to start. Yeah. Which was actually spot on because on September 19th, 2021, human remains matching the description of Gabby were found at the Spread Creek dispersed camping place, Mm, which was just east of Grand National Teton Grand Teton National Park and not far from where the van was previously observed. Mm. Her identity was later confirmed and a later autopsy determined that the manner of death was homicide by blunt force injuries to the head and neck with manual strangulation, which occurred three to four weeks prior to her body being found. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Following the autopsy, the United States District Court for the District of Wyoming issued an arrest warrant on September 23rd for Brian due to the unauthorized use of Gabby's debit card to the tune of $1,000-plus between August 30th and September 1st. Unauthorized because by this point we knew Gabby was deceased at that point. Okay. um, Don't we have bigger fish to fry here, District Court of the District of Wyoming? What? I mean – to me, this reads that, like, they needed to get him on something, and this was the easiest and fastest thing mm-hmm. they could get a warrant for. Um, at, But, like, as a reminder, Brian is still missing at this point. So on October 7th, Brian's father actually joins investigators on their search for Brian in the Carlson Reserve located in Sarasota, Florida, focusing on areas that Brian was known to frequent in the reserve in the adjacent environment park. On October 20th, Brian's skeletal remains identified by forensic dentistry and some of his belongings were ultimately found in the environment park in an area that had previously been underwater due to flooding. His cause of death could not be determined by an autopsy and his remains were given to a forensic anthropologist to further for further Mm -hmm. examination. Um, Ultimately, on November 23rd, it was announced that Brian had died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. As we like to say, I feel nothing. Yeah, uh, it's just bye. Yeah, I, so I mean, yeah, no, I feel nothing. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, see you later, Brian. So remember how I mentioned that there were some personal items located with Brian's body? Mm-hmm. Um, so a notebook was recovered that contained an entry in which Brian admits to killing Gabby and deceiving people that she was still alive via text message. Mom, is wait a minute, out I'm not there. sure I knew this. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So trust your gut because Ugh. Gabby's mom knew those texts were not from her. Oh, God. And this proves it. The confession in Brian's notebook, which was made public on January 21st, 2022, officially marked the end of the case for the FBI, who stated, quote, the investigation did not identify any other individuals other than Brian Laundrie directly involved in the tragic death of Gabby Petito. The FBI's primary focus throughout the investigation was to bring justice to Gabby and her family. The full notebook entry, which was released by the Laundry family's lawyer in June of 2022, indicated that Brian killed Gabby after she had fallen and injured herself and what? reads in part as follows. I ended her life. I thought it was merciful that this is what she would, would have wanted, but now I see all of the mistakes I made. I am ending my life not because of fear of punishment, but rather because I cannot stand to live another day without her. What? Hold on. I need to pop. Do you believe that 
she f- had fallen and injured herself and that's why he killed her. Do you believe that? Um, no. No, that's what, what is, what is that? What is that? Like a mercy? F- no. Are you fucking kidding me? What? That she's like a racehorse that like broke its leg until you had to get, ki- are you kidding me right now? That's what he's saying. Yeah. Ooh, I'm, I don't know how I missed that this, I didn't realize he had confessed to this. I hate him. Brian, bye. Get out of here. Yeah. So I want to end on this because we did touch on this at the beginning. Um, but this case caused a lot of people to say it was the perfect example of missing white woman syndrome defined as the news media's overemphasis on missing persons cases involving young, attractive, white, upper middle class women or girls compared to yeah. the relative lack of attention towards people who go missing and do not fit that description. I want to make sure to mention here that between 2011 and 2020, there were 710 indigenous people who were reported missing in or near the same location Gabby was found, who received not even half or any of the attention that Gabby's case did. Mm. I don't think we're in the business of saying that one missing person's case is less or more important than another. In my perfect world, every missing person, there would be no missing people, number one, but if there were regardless of who they are, what they look like, where they came from, they would all get the same amount of coverage that Gabby did. Um, Let's just, let's all be aware of it. Let's, let's all make it a point to research and look into cases of, you know, missing indigenous people, women, girls, you know, let's just be aware of it. And I would like to put out there to anyone listening to this, look it up look it up, find a case that you're super passionate or interested in and I'll, I'll do, I'll research it and we'll do an episode on it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, well, thank you for saying that. You're right. We here at Sisters Take a Side, um, we are committed to elevating the voices and stories of all groups. Um, and we take that responsibility seriously. So yeah, thank you to do more than just talk about like shitbag politicians, which is what I like to do. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So what do you think about, you don't think the confession in, in Brian's notebook? Well, what is it? What is it? I, oh, she fell and she hurt herself. What is wrong? What are you talking about? It doesn't even make yeah. any sense. What That doesn't yeah. make any sense in like, okay, again, I'm sorry, but like not to compare myself to a murderer, which you know is my favorite thing to do. Like, Okay, this is probably just like again a really personal. I have had to call nine one one for my spouse who has like not injured himself but had a really serious medical emergency in our home, and mm-hmm. like you fucking call nine one one. You don't go, gee, you know what? He probably just wants me to kill him. Are you? What is? Are you kidding me? What is that? Yeah. Like she fell and she injured herself, so you killed her instead of calling for help, getting her help. Like I'm sorry, that's absolute BS. I'm so mad. Can you, I'm like. You're heated. I've had three cups of coffee today and I'm mad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so hate him, mad at him. He sucks. Um, his parents, I have a lot of questions for. I I mean, yeah, I have a lot of questions for his parents. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like I already told I went on a tangent on my side about the body cam footage and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about you? Yeah. So I think, I, I think the notebook entry is kind of BS. I agree with you. I think that there were a hundred other options he could have taken. Um, you know, the, the laundry family, not helping Gabby's family. Um, I think that's bullshit. 
Um, I think his parents knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I do want to just mention, um, if you or someone you know is in emotional distress or considering suicide, um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, uh, you can reach them at 1-800-273-TALK or 1-800-273-8255. Yeah. And Thank that's you for including that. Well, that well, was a bummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, great research this week. Holy Thank moly. you. I, sorry, I got on my soapbox like a hundred different times about how much I hate this guy, but it's okay. This I'm glad. Good. Listen, that's what makes a good app. Yeah, man. Okay. Um, do we want to do our listener question for the week? Yes. Okay. Um, so our listener question for this week. I forget. And while you while you pull that up, um, if you guys want to write in with a question, you can reach us on our email at sisters.take.a.side at gmail.com or shoot us a message on our Instagram, sisters take aside underscore podcast. And this week's question actually came in through the Gmail account. Um, and they had some nice things to say about the show. Thank you so much. And then asked, um, what is it like doing a podcast with your sister? Pros and cons, which I think is really funny. Um, Sarah, what is it like podcasting with your sister? I actually kind of love it because I think that... <laughs> a rave review from Sarah. <laughs> I love it. No, I think it's great because I think like... I think being able to do it with someone who, like, knows you as well as yeah we know each other, like, I can tell when, you know, I've pissed you off or, like, I can tell when, like, <laughs> like, I just think, like, like, we can hold each other accountable in a way that would be a lot more difficult with someone who wasn't, like, yes, your, your sister. I yeah, I it. mean, I think the pros are for sure that, like, it also, like, the flexibility that comes, like, like I, again, like, yeah. I texted you the other day and was like, Sarah, I cannot record today. I ate two donuts and I could cry, right? Like, I feel like I can do that with you where I'm not sure I could do that with, like, anyone else. But I would say, like, the con side of that is that, like, I worry a lot about disappointing you. And, a thousand percent. Like, and that, like, it's funny because, like, the podcast is, like, my dream, but it's also your dream. And, like, it'd be one thing to, like, do bad at my dream or to, like, give up on my dream. But, like, I can't give up on your dream or I can't do bad at your dream. <laughs> a thousand percent. I feel the same way. Yeah. So I would say that's a con. But, no, overall, I mean, there's no one else I would rather. I can't even imagine doing this with anyone but you. So. Yeah. Same. I'm the exact same way. Um, all right. Well, so I, we should probably let you go because I can see that like work is calling you and you have like real shit you need to do and I need to go eat a sandwich, but I did want to tell you what I'm doing next week. What are we doing next week? Yeah. Give me the deets. Guys, you know, I cannot stay away. I oh, cannot no. stay away from my two true loves, which are Washington DC crime cases and politicians. So guess, guess who's back. We're going to do Monica Lewinsky and Bill yes! Clinton and I'm here for it. I'm so excited. This is now the third politician I have covered on this show. Oh, I hope you're um, going to drag him. I am going to drag him. Um, as Tom likes to remind me, no real crime was committed, but that is not going to stop me from covering this on our true crime podcast. Hell yeah. I am so, so excited for this. I'm so excited for this. Guys, bring it. I'm ready for this. So, bring it. 
Um, thank you all so much for listening, being a part of this journey with us. We love you guys. If you are loving the show, five star, five point whatever review on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, write in, tell us what we're thinking. We just freaking adore y'all's messages on Instagram. And we email. really do. We literally like share them with our entire families. We send them to each other. We love them so much. So thank you. Um, and we love you guys and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.